Hello and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Liam Garrity. As AI continues to be on everyone's lips, we wanted to bring you another frank and honest conversation between Intercom's Senior Director of Machine Learning, Fergal Reid, and Emma Connolly, VP of Product Design. Today, they are tackling a big topic, AI superintelligence. What it means, could it happen, what are the implications? So let's head straight over to Fergal in studio. Okay, look, Emma, this is going to be our third conversation that's sort of freeform. And we were like doing a little bit of prep just there. And we were like, oh, we talk about like this, that or the other. And then we were, you were like, super intelligence is, is what the idea is like. It's the most interesting, but then these were like, it's intractable or... Well, okay. What about the framing of super intelligence that would change our society completely, perhaps overnight, right. perhaps at a speed, an overnight speed that we would be totally unequipped to to deal with. Right. And you were saying, who? nobody knows that might happen within the next couple of years. Yeah. That's like the biggest deal thing we could possibly choose Fine. to okay. talk about. Let, let's get but into But the it. difficulty I have with it is like, it's all opaque. Yeah, It could be two years away or it could be 200 Fine. years away. And then we can only posit a guess at what it means. So yeah. it's the biggest thing, but it's the biggest unknown. Okay, right. Let, well, let, let's get into it. Let, let's deal with this like super intelligence thing head on. Let, let's try and talk about like what we know, what we don't know. We're going to be wrong a lot. Okay. How would I frame it? Like this has been on my mind a bit, right? Now it is, it's, it's intractable. It's difficult to grab hold of, right? But what do we know, right? There's all these people hype, right? Oh, it's going to be crazy superintelligence coming soon. And then there's like so-called doomers, right? Mm. Which is like, by default, it's going to kill us all, mm. right? And we've touched on this a little bit in the past. And then there's these other people who are like, oh, that's that's all bullshit. Like, that's all like, that's like worrying about overpopulation on yeah. Mars. Andrew Ng, famous researcher, fam- said that. And then like a week or two ago, he seems to have changed his perspective, right? <laughs> like he has this newsletter and in the newsletter, he didn't touch on superintelligence, but he was like, oh, these systems are, are starting to understand and starting to reason about stuff. And he mentioned like Otello GPT, which we've talked about before, where, you know, you just train this thing on snippets of Otello games, just like just the moves, the sequences of moves in, in a board game. And it seems to start to learn fundamental things about the board game and the layout of the board and stuff. He, he found that convincing. And I find that convincing too. And so some people who were like, superintelligence is a million miles away are now like changing their tune a little, you know, people who were like, this AI doesn't understand anything are like changing their tune a little bit. And so we've built stuff that starts to understand things. Where does it stop? So, so I I think one thing we know is, or one thing I strongly feel is it's not ridiculous to talk about things getting more and more intelligent and getting smarter than humans. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think, I think that's interesting, right? That, that, that's a change. Like, Four years ago, five years ago, two years ago, mm. I'd totally be in the Andrew Ng camp, right? Mm. Which is like, hey, this is fun stuff to think about. And I like reading science fiction, but, you know, we, there's no path. We don't see any path there. There's no, there's no evidence that any path we see will work. Now there's a bunch of evidence that might get there. So that, that's something we've learned, right? That's something I think we can, that's changed in the world and that's changing the world. And sounds like something we can track. I mean, what I'm getting from what you're saying is, the more confidence we have that reasoning exists. It sounds like you're implying rather that reasoning is a necessary step to superintelligence or AGI or whatever. Yeah. Is that what you're mapping at? And the more confidence, therefore, which you're clearly building that that there are reasoning capabilities being exhibited here, 
the yeah. more likely it is that we'll get to AGI or that we'll get there sooner. And so you're saying for one dimension of my inability to just grasp onto anything tangible, you're saying you think that confidence will collectively build over time. Yeah, I mean, you got to like be Bayesian about this in some sense, yeah. right? You see more data, you update your worldview. You know, if you live in the world with no intelligent systems at all, then you should be more skeptical of ever building a super intelligence. And as the level of intelligence of systems in the world increases, mm -hmm. you should become more open to the idea that we'll get to something super intelligent. Now, that's pre pretty simple, right? And so I remember learning about like, learning about how a chess AI works. Right. And I remember, I remember 1997 is an arcade fire song about this. I remember 1997, the deep blue and Kasparov chess match. And like my, my granddad used to play chess, you know, just taught me to play chess as a kid. Just, just probably never any good at a club level or something. But like, you know, we played chess and then like, he was like really shocked and really surprised by deep blue. Cause like Kasparov was this like towering mm -hmm. human mental genius. Mm -hmm. And then deep blue, like, being him and like, how could this be? Does this mean the machines are as smart as us? And like, you know, that was a big technical accomplishment, but it was fundamentally a good trick. Like when you learn how a chess AI works deep down underneath the hood, right? It's, you know, Minimax or Negamax. It's like, it's, it's, like, it's, it's a pretty simple search algorithm. It's like, it's, it's a really rough, you know, you, the chess has got to have some idea whether a board state is better or worse for it. It's like, if I have a lot of pawns and I have a queen and I'm not in check, you know, it's, it's a simple calculation of the yeah. value of the chess pieces, you know, like write it down in one line. But then it just does a huge amount of search. If right. I move here and you move there and I move there, and there's some clever techniques to make the search more efficient, but it's basically brute computation. It's just doing a ton of calculation. And so like when you learn that, suddenly it's disappointing. Suddenly it's like, oh yeah, actually, you know, Deep Blue wasn't a thinking machine. It was just a really clever, Calculator. Calculator, yeah. right? Like a big me mechanical system that calculated on mass. And like the history of AI is always like, you get really impressed and then you learn the trick. But now for the first time, it's like, we don't really know what the trick is. We haven't is. figured out the trick yet. Yeah. And it may not be a trick, yeah. right? It may be, this is real. This is like, you know, intelligent or at least... The trick is, is is similarly good to the human intelligence trick. Or reflective of some underlying almost physics-like universal law of information theory or how information works when you put large amounts of it together. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I, don't know if I go with information theory, but I guess the idea that like maybe a, a simple system with a given expressive power when you just put enough information on it starts to get smart, you know? So Deep Blue wasn't smarter than Kasparov, but... Right. In a quite a clever way, they deployed the one, the brute force calculation aspect of its intelligence to a task that made it better, the task being chess that made it better to the point where it could win. So yeah. I think you can both say Deep Blue is not smarter than Gary Kasparov. And you can say Deep Blue can beat Gary Kasparov at chess or like yeah. better than human level at a task. Yeah. Which I guess kind of leads me on to thinking about how we think about those things, the emotional reaction you were describing your granddad had. Yeah. And which I think if we look ahead and see, so what, what are some of those ones? Like cars, self-driving cars, which has been kind of um, bubbling away in the background to, throughout, or even before any of the LLM stuff really came to the forefront. But there's that emotional thing of like, 
what do we want from these systems actually to flip it around for like and maybe i'm i'm getting away from the agi stuff here yeah but let's look at cars what do we want from them or how are we going to respond to the integration there because we have an imperfect system right now more than a million road deaths per year caused by human error you sure. know yeah, yeah if we replace that with a, an ai system that only led to half a million road deaths per year i mean it's very difficult on it from a pure ethical number crunching point of view to not and in fact it strikes me that this is kind of like the ai trolley problem writ large you know the ai trolley problem is a local like what decision do you make but we have this societal level decision of are we gonna accept the ick feeling that comes with cars being driven by robots even if they're fallible even if that fallibility is less fallible than human drivers yeah i I I think we probably will i I obviously think that there's a potential for regulatory failure and political failure but like people accept those trade-offs all the time they just don't talk about them very much because it's politically unwise to but every like developed country has a medical system that will like weigh cost and benefit of like this drug and it'll save this many lives or that drug and like for better or worse, they do that. And like, and I think that's a good thing to do. And I understand it's politically difficult to defend, but it's like, if you don't do it, more people die. If, if you don't, you've limited resources, if you don't trade them off. And people do debate it, but very few yeah. people choose to live in a country where those regulations don't provide yeah. guardrails and safety barriers yeah, yeah, for yeah. all sorts of aspects that, of their lives. So that, yeah, I like, agree with you. Yeah, that's it. Like, you know, and hopefully they do a good job and everything, but they do have to make these sort of like, you know, it's ultimately, it is life or death decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Like deciding what conditions, you know, what drugs they've made available. And, you know, so societies do that. And I got to imagine that absent some sort of political failure, if, and this is a huge if, but if we get, you know, self-driving cars to the point where like, you know, yes, a machine now killed you where a human used to kill you, but it kills you a lot less. I, I think most people will be okay with that, you know? I don't know. I mean, I mean, yeah. Again, from a pure logical point of view, if you try and like crunch the numbers, so to speak, it's hard to find a logical flaw in what you just said. Yeah. But I think as opposed to drug regulation or whatever, which is kind of like the background hum of life and living, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you get into a car and yeah. you choose to get into a self-driving car or a non-self-driving car. And I think that decision will be a lot more personal yeah. for a lot of people than some of those regulations that are less tangible in your day-to-day life, you know? I actually think that's going to be the stuff that might end up overly politicizing and making regulation really hard to achieve. It it, it totally could happen. And hampering us more than anything. I I mean, like, look, like, um, and I know this is going to get political, but uh, you look at, like, nuclear power, right? Like, nuclear power is, I think, is uncontroversially pollutes less carbon than other things. And you can argue about, like, it's a complicated discussion about the, the downside. Like, you know, when there's a nuclear meltdown, it's extremely costly, right? And, you know, it's, yeah. that's a hard statistical problem. But I think there would be a, a lot of technologists would feel that the discussion around nuclear power, like, wasn't the most rational, right? Or certainly retrospectively. And I used to be, when I was a kid, I used to be, like, scared of nuclear power, right? I think a lot of us in the 80s were scared yeah. of, like, nuclear stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, but yeah, I, I think that's maybe an example of like a political failure that maybe has ended up us going the wrong direction. And yeah, you could end up with like self-driving cars or advanced AI. And a lot of technologists are worried about this, right? So, you know, there's many different groups, many different constituencies here, but there's definitely a big constituency of technologists who are like, 
the debate around superintelligence is going to cause overregulation of AI. And there's going to be a whole lot of human benefit that we're going to lose out yeah. due to knee-jerk regulation. And yeah, and so it's maybe something hap- similar happened with self-driving cars, where it's like we get to the point where they're better, but then there's a political failure that ends up stopping them being deployed until they're perfect, and then they're never perfect. And but I, I guess I guess I'm optimistic that people will be able to have that debate. All you can do is be optimistic. About well, I mean, this is why I struggle to really personally, emotionally connect with the Doomer angle on it because I'm like. Well, a certain amount of this is going to happen no matter what you say or do from here on out. For superintelligence. Because well, uh, I'm happy to represent the Doomer angle for superintelligence. Su- oh, okay. So let's distinguish them between like... Self-driving cars. Uh, self-driving cars, which do not require superintelligence yeah, and yeah, yeah. some superintelligent sci-fi moment. Honestly, it feels like beyond which we're speculating heavily about what that would yeah. act like or, or how it would be. Well, I, I perceive like a doomer mentality for even the non-superintelligent aspect of this. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I think you've got to differentiate between the two. And obviously, you know, this is speaking personally, but like, you know, there's a lot of people who are incredibly skeptical and cynical and pessimistic about, say, self-driving cars, right? Yeah. And then there's other people who are like, you know, some of them will be like cynical and too pessimistic about general intelligence or superintelligence. Yeah. But I, I think you got to separate the two out. I also think that there's a very rational, to my mom, everyone thinks they're rational. Yeah. But me subjectively, I would argue that there's a rational argument to be really cautious about superintelligence, which is that it's, you know, there's no scenario where self-driving cars will like kill everybody. Yes, or escape. Or, or escape. achieve an escape velocity. Or, yeah. Right. But there are there are like plausible scenarios where like, Shockingly, where someone people invent superintelligence and it all goes wrong and it it literally kills everybody. Like as in, I'm not saying that's likely. There are people who say that is the default scenario, yeah. and they have cogent arguments, in my opinion. Yeah. But I'm not saying it's likely, but I don't think you can say it's impossible, conditional on us getting superintelligence. So like, you know, superintelligence is potentially super dangerous. And so I do think. Like, you know, that's just a mad state to be in. Like even the convert the last minute of conversation. Absolutely. Is it's mad. wild, right? It's wild. Yeah, yeah. It's and wild. And and to go back to what we said at the start, the biggest thing. Right. And yet you it's so amorphous. We're trying to just like step our yeah, way yeah. into it. Yeah. But it's 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 scary to even think about or talk about. And I think we we sell I think people self-censor a lot. I think academics yeah. self-censor. Right for fear of being wrong. For and, fear yeah. of being wrong and because incentives around that, but but also even just at a human level. It's like, shit, really? You're talking about a technology that's so big. And, you know, it's interesting, just being an Oppenheimer movie. You mentioned Oppenheimer in your previous podcast. Like, you know, if you believe that stuff will happen, if you believe in superintelligence, then it's clearly a technology like at that power, at a similar level of power of like as nuclear weapons, or or I would argue like substantially above that power, you know? And so, yeah, so I think it's uh, it's hard for people to to get into. Superintelligence, right? We're aligned that it's a... Crazy topic, right? It's yeah. hard to even think about. And maybe we were lying that like, it's different from self-driving cars, right? There's a doomer argument about self-driving cars. And I, I personally don't take that seriously, right? Yeah. Maybe that's arrogant of me. I'm this tech arrogant person. But like, I think self-driving cars, maybe someone will ship self-driving cars that are net negative and we should be really careful of their stats. Like, there's no scenario where self-driving cars like kill everybody, right? Well, I think what we're getting to here is the whole conversation around AGI or superintelligence is very different from the conversation around 
bog standard kind of what we have or what AI we get a bit better, things. but not a, yeah, yeah, even yeah. in the next five years, let's say it doesn't get to the next thing, which is more I like so. poor AI ethics, all the stuff about misinformation and things like that, that we have yeah. to deal with regardless. I think it's like, it's an accident of history and maybe a dangerous accident of history that these two conversations get muddled a lot. Right. Now, that's just one perspective. You know, there's alternate perspectives, right? People who are like, who work on AI ethics today will say like, oh no, this super intelligence thing is sucking all the oxygen out of the room. Future theoretical harms are distracting from real harms yeah. today. And, but, but if you believe that the future harms are not theoretical, the magnitude is so much bigger that it should kind of suck a lot of attention, you know? Let me try and pre pre present an alternate case, yeah, yeah, okay? Yeah, let's do it. Like, yeah. like, yes, of course, that is the big prize slash threat slash danger. Yeah. Yes, it is so unknown and unknowable to us right. that we, let me get Rumsfeldian for a moment. Okay. There are yeah, yeah, yeah. known unknowns, known unknowns and unknown unknowns. And when I think about the superintelligence, I'm like, unknown unknowns. Like, uh, let me go read some sci-fi and dream about what might happen. Yeah. But like... Whereas we do have a bunch of work ahead of us that we could do, actually. And, and maybe the muddling of the conversation among those levels of AI is, is very counterproductive. Because although that's the big scary thing, I feel like it's kind of binary as to whether or not it's going to happen. And I'm not saying we shouldn't try and get ahead of it in any way, but yeah. it's going to be way, way harder to address than some of the more tractable, tangible, immediate problems we have yeah, but isn't this like an urgency importance failure or something in that like, you know, it's like, yes, it is intractable, but it's it's kind of like there's a massive, you know, thousand X threat. And I think most people would agree with that, but with a lower probability. So maybe it's a, it's a thousand X or a 10,000 yeah. X threat, yeah. but with like a 10 X lower or hundred X lower probability. Yeah. If we're aligned on that, then like it's irresponsible to not talk about that. Right. And like just because it's intractable doesn't mean it's not going to come and kill you. <laughs> you know? do, or, or do we kind of start the ball rolling on actually building a muscle on how to regulate and how to discuss regulation and how to enact regulation yeah, such yeah. that we're better prepared for the intractable thing if and when it comes? I mean, I think we're on the same page. Maybe, but, like, but maybe that's too slow, you know, and that like the argument would be. That, you know, you know, we talked about the self-driving car and the ethics of that, right? And it's like, with all those things, with, with, with everything, there's like, there's cost and there's benefit, right? And so there's a lot of people in the world who would be like, hey, you know, all this AI ethics stuff about our systems today is important, but small compared to the utility of the systems today. But then the shape of that gets very different if you're talking about like super intelligence, that's, you know, a, a mm. next level dangerous technology, mm. you know? Here's a path that I think we should avoid, right? And okay. it's also a plausible path. Yeah. I know where you're going. We keep going. Pascal's mugging. Is that no, oh, maybe. Oh, I'm going. Yeah, you can tell how I read the world. By all these <laughs> things. We keep going on the path we're going. Hey, thought experiment. Imagine if there was a big, important election next year and AI and misinformation became the boogeyman for all of this. People have a Donald Trump chatbot on their phone that they can talk to. And that's a, like a compelling product, an entertaining product. I bet we'll see something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the public opinion and the media storm and the politicization and the polar opposite positions on whether this is like binary good or bad just swamps the whole thing and makes it a lot more difficult to have the bigger important conversation that you're having. I think if we get to a stage in the next year where like, 
serious misinformation, election, like things that have real consequences, yeah. you know, for lots of people, not global meltdown consequences that's possible with the AGI, but not like, and not to minimize it, but like a single, you know, accident somewhere sure. due, due to a robot car or something. So like we have to set ourselves up to have an increasingly mature conversation about all of this stuff. And yeah. there's a narrow path that I can imagine to us getting there and yeah. probably lots of others where we mess it up I, significantly. I, I mean, I, I guess you've got to do both, right? The ideal is that we do both, mm. that, you know, we, we both have the, the short term real harms and that like that we're not in a position where we're like, hey, the short term real harms are the only thing to focus on because the other thing's nebulous. But also the future nebulous thing is so big that we spend zero time on the short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Like, you know, presumably there's some optimally balanced portfolio of effort. It was like, yeah. some, you know, so imagine there's an organization in the world that really cares about AI ethics and AI safety generally. You know, that organization should probably split its focus along both of those things. Yeah, right. How do you make that split? And like, you know, and you mentioned Pascal's wage, this idea of like a, a Pascal's mugging where like, Something is just so big. Like I'm like, hey, I'm at, you know, I've got an AGI over here. Now you you probably don't believe me, but you should give me all your money mm. just in case, right? Mm. And because like, otherwise, I'm going to let it out. It's going to destroy the world. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh well, that 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 consequence is so big. Mm. You should just do whatever mm. I say. And like mm. that that that's like Pascal's wager, right? Mm-hmm. Like weaponized and stuff. And so like you know, you, you want to avoid that scenario, but then you also want to avoid a scenario where you don't look at the legitimately you know, class S trash or whatever yeah. your terminology yeah, yeah. might be, you know? Yeah. And so this is hard. This is hard stuff. And so I think good, well-meaning people trying to like make the world better, both long and short term are going to disagree. And I think, you know, you mentioned recently the the discussion is divisive. Like sometimes the most divisive discussion is when like really good, well-meaning people just disagree on tactics and stuff and end up fighting each other. It's like, no, I can't believe you think this future thing here. No, I can't believe you're ignoring the real harms today. And yeah. that's really hard to yeah. get around. Yeah. I, I mean, the obvious thing there is like, we, we got to do both things, right? Gotta we got to, yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe one leads to another or one sets us up better to another. Yeah. If you think about practical regulations, what's your sense of, you mentioned EU regulations that are coming on stream. Are we well set up to, to put smart, right, effective regulations in place just for the short term stuff I'm talking about? You know, I don't know. I'm not the right expert for Mm. this. Like I've read one of the draft EU AI Act things. There's a lot of good stuff in there. There's a lot of sensible stuff. It's still at political level, right? So Mm. it's it's still, it's it's still being debated. I read like Mm. some amendments that seemed overblown. So I I don't know, like the, like, Look at GDPR. Some of GDPR is is great, right? Like, you know, protection and, you know, and then some of it is like over the top. It's like, yeah. you know, like the, the, the cookie consent stuff, yeah. right? Which, you know, are like the, the the GDPR consent stuff you see everywhere. Like, has that really made the world better? And mm. you might say, oh, well, the theory was good. The implementation was just bad. It's like, yeah, but th- that matters. Like, that's part of the, the job of good law is mm. that the consequences aren't bad. So, yeah, so how, how does this play out with AI? I, I think we've got to wait and see. I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing in like the US where like, you know, they've engaged, like it seems like the administration is engaged with a lot of the labs. There's been two-way engagement. Mm -hmm. There's been like real discussion and they're starting to put like some like voluntary oversight of like frontier training runs. So, you know, it doesn't feel knee jerk so far, but Mm -hmm. it's like they're talking to each other. 
that feels good. I might be naive. I, I kind of think that the people in the frontier research labs are being, you know, fairly responsible about this mm -hmm. stuff in that, like, they clearly, they care about not blundering into super intelligence by mistake. They're engaging with regulators. They're, mm -hmm. you know, you can some, imagine some other world where like, they're like trying, like deliberately polluting the public debate and like, mm -hmm. you know, setting up in like jurisdictions that can't be regulated. You know, you can imagine some other world. So. I think there's a lot of good stuff happening and so, you know, cynics will be like, oh, this is just the AI lab trying to do regulatory mm. capture. Mm. Sure, that's not, I mean, the benefit of regulatory capture is not lost on some people <clears> in this space, but I, I, maybe I'm naive. I think, I think they're, I think they're, they're mostly good actors. Mm. Um, so I would yeah. imagine as well, like good regulation allows for some sliding scales or, or progress from step to step, because like yeah. we were describing before how, hey, you know, Whatever you think about this stuff, surely it's better to get it out there into the world while the stakes are low so we can make mistakes and find things out. And, right. you know, I, I the self-driving yeah. car levels probably provide something like this where you can say, you know, if you're in this area, it's fine for this level of autonomy in this area, not or driver yeah. intervention required. And then you can apply that to lots of other I, I mean, I'm out of my uh, area of expertise here as well, but you can imagine, you know, let's start off with like x-rays of scans of broken toes. Now the AI can take that, but like anything that's looking at a tumor uh, will have multiple layers, including yeah, human yeah. involvement and so on. And maybe you just gradually work through those those stages. You know? but, but this is what we do day to day. Like when we build AI products, right? Like, like you know, literally working on AI products in the inbox at the moment and try to do something big. And now we're trying to identify, okay, no, that was a little bit too ambitious. Mm. That, that, that's fine. Like smaller cases that it will definitely give value in safely. And, you know, so like this is sort of our day job, which is that like, yeah. you know, you're looking for ways to roll out where it's definitely net positive and then to expand that size. Yeah. And I got to imagine that a lot of AI adoption that's good will go like that. Again, the, the steel man, the doomer position or the dangerous general intelligence position it's that like you accidentally build something much before you expected that was way more powerful right mm -hmm. you you run some mm -hmm. longer training run that's 10 times longer than you ever ran before and you discover you've trained something that's a thousand times more intelligent mm -hmm. because it didn't scale the way you taught or because you got some new algorithm or whatever like that's the scenario that people are really really mm -hmm. worried about and, and i think that's a scenario to be cautious of but again, we're starting to see like even the EU AI Act, people are starting to talk about, oh, if you're training the best, most frontier models, maybe you got to like register that. You at least got to yeah. regulate it needs to be. How do you regulate that? God, I, I don't know. That would yeah. be a tough job, but at least they're thinking about it, you know. And it's a fun thought experiment, right? So let's try it. Imagine you're working in open AI or something like that. And we do this massive GPT-8 is trained on some insanely huge corpus and it, it passes this threshold that you're describing where yeah, yeah. it's scary how powerful it is and then we have that what do, like what do you think happens in that scenario well first of all is it most likely to happen inside a large lab like this the, the this type of which you're already describing or like engaged with the government want to behave responsibly and at that point they will go hey like <laughs> hit the big red button it happened yeah let's have a talk about where to take this next or yeah yeah, yeah. Or does it, it does it just break out commercially? I mean, I, like that that sounds extremely. Um, what do you mean break out commercially? I mean, <laughs> commercially is probably the wrong word. To does it become broadly accessible to a wide array of individuals quickly and suddenly, or 
could it be contained within a lab once it's happened? And then, you know, we can talk about how to very carefully handle this material. There's a lot in there. And like, this is definitely like a deep shit scenario, right? Yeah. Like where you ended up training something that's like, way there's a science fiction scenario but maybe it's not so far away who knows right we nobody knows but it's like you've trained something that's like maybe it's vastly more intelligent than you it's it's sitting in your lab what happens next i, I think people want to avoid this scenario mm. and people want to like hopefully will you know i guess the game here is that like as people get close to training these things you know they can see this they coming. see it coming they see yeah like, this is getting yeah. close to human intelligence probably hopefully probably not conscious and there's all sorts of ethical things if, if you thought it was conscious, right? But but let's just, let's assume you've got an unconscious but intelligent entity. Like, what happens next? And so, like, I, I personally hope that if this is the way the technology plays out, that like the, the private labs feels like a better place to encounter this than some military yeah. black ops project, yeah. which is, like, all the AI safety things. The people who are, like, the doomers who are, like, we need to stop all training runs now and stuff. It's like, okay, well, that means you're going to encounter this in a military context first. Mm, and mm. I don't know if that would be better for, for people, you know, yeah. uh, genuinely. Maybe that's my political, my, my skepticism. Or maybe, maybe, anyway, like you go, you go either way on that. But like, yeah, someone is like training a model. What happens next? I got to hope that the people training these things will raise the alarm. And, and I think they will. I don't think, like, again, a nice thing about, industrial research labs doing this is like, I think they'll leak stuff. I think that like, if someone does train something that's crazy more capable, people will leak things. And I think that's why it's really important that it's not done in the military context, because there isn't a culture of secrecy, even like, even Apple, the most secret of the big tech companies, I think if they, I don't know, but I suspect if they had a some crazy AI thing, you'd hear about it, right? Yeah, right. They definitely Google would, yeah, you know, yeah. culturally. When you say leak, do you mean like whistleblower style? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. have created this, or you don't mean actually? Yeah, Because yeah. I know, like a no, I don't Facebook mean leak. Group, I don't mean leak, they, the don't mean leak the model itself. <laughs> no, that would be the bad. Well, I mean, that did happen, right? Like fa Facebook released their open source model to some researchers, yeah, yeah. and someone leaked it, and it became available on the internet. And yeah, well, so this is a whole other conversation, which is like, imagine you live in a world with generous AGI proliferation. How do you control proliferation? Mm. Like, that's a whole different world. And I, like, that's, now suddenly it's like, man, I wish it was in a military context. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but, but even if you look at, like, uh, the Manhattan Project's been in popular culture recently with Oppenheimer, yeah. you know, like, the, the Russians had spies that did tech transfer from the Manhattan Project to their weapons program. And so it's like, you know, surely nation states are thinking about this sort of stuff in terms of AI at the moment. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, I mean, there is some positive to be taken from the fact that as well, that that against all odds almost, I mean, you, I don't know how many years ago it was, 80 years ago or something like that, 60 was it? Anyway, someone was sitting around than, yeah. having a version of the conversation that we're having now, uh, you know, at that stage. And I think would probably be pleasantly surprised to hear that if you fast forward to 2023, yeah. It has gone no further than that original usage of it at that point. Um, yeah. Kind of against all odds, because a lot of the... I know we've come very close on many occasions, yeah, 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 and there's yeah. all sorts of crazy stories like that. And there's also anthropic bias and anthropic shadow. There's all sorts of interesting statistical properties. This doesn't really apply to, like, nuclear exchange, except... But, like, things that can destroy the world never happen in your timeline. 
as far as you can tell. Right. <laughs> you know, this is the uh, Drake equation applied to this, like living on Earth. Why is the world never ended? Yeah, I've lived on yeah. It? Anthropic yeah. bias shows up in the Drake equation, but it's it's like things like you know humans will tend to underestimate the prevalence of planet destroying asteroids. Yeah, because. The other species that got hit by the planet destroying asteroids are, are not in our timeline of our yeah, history right. and stuff, like anthropic shadow and so on. And so, like, if you want to start reasoning at that level, uh, and bring that back to the AI stuff for me, then well, maybe not the AI stuff, but the, like the nuclear stuff. Just um, right. I don't think it's like too big of an effect there, but like, yeah. just when you look at a whole bunch of close calls for nuclear exchange. But the fact that it hasn't actually happened, yeah. it's like, well, if it actually happened, would we be here to talk about it? I get it. it. You're like, Emmett, we've been lucky on a few coin tosses. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, take yeah, that yeah. as necessarily like evidence it's not, it's not that everything's going evidence. Make. Human yeah. nanny's doing a good job here. Yeah. Now, look, on the other hand, there hasn't been like limited nuclear exchange. But I guess if you're to, if your model is that like nuclear exchange naturally, you know, spirals out of control, then there'll be very few cases of limited nuclear exchange. Right. And so, so just, just as in, you know, like, we shouldn't feel enormously reassured by our ability to deal with that crazy technology that things didn't all go wrong. Look, that's just one argument. And a counter argument is like, oh no, like there was a lot of work done to try and like, you know, pull the Cold War back from the brink. And, you know, you read about the Cuban Missile Crisis and stuff. Yeah. And like there was, it was like individuals who stepped up when it counted right. to try and, and so like, you know, maybe AI is some crazy new technology and we need, you know, we're going to count on individuals, people in public policy, people in AI labs to like, you know, to step up so that we, we and to manage this well. Because there's a flip side of the coin. If we're talking about generally intelligent systems, there's like insane benefits for humanity. It's important not to get lost. And the opportunity to solve some of our biggest known immediate problems as well, right? right. Like lots of climate issues and, and overpopulation yeah. and not that it addresses that. Overpopulation. How we live with overpopulation. <laughs> yeah, if overpopulation is even yes. a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will say one thing, like this, even just this conversation like, has made me a little bit more optimistic because it's allowed me to like kind of take this miasma of concern and compartmentalize it a little bit. I'm actually much more optimistic than I even was at the start of the conversation about our short-term likelihood of successfully, you know, managing, regulating, continuing to grow, uh, enable the right level of innovation without letting it go crazy. And obviously we have this big potential moment on the horizon. You, you must have been very pessimistic uh, at the start uh, of the conversation. Well, I mean, I, 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 I still think, to your point, all that regulation stuff is going to be super hard work and take yeah. many years and probably get it wrong. And, you know, one of the concerns that I have is... I think it's going to be fast. The I, regulation I, I is, think regulation is going to be fast and Fast hard. and effective, you think? or uh, I, I think it'll probably be like... This conversation is a conversation between two technologists, right? And, you know, this area is like, it's mad, like discussing that, like, hey, people might build AGI and it might literally like have a massively negative consequence for people. Loads of people in the world who don't normally pay attention to technology, who are like adults in the room and like, you know, yeah. technology skirts regulations often yeah, yeah. and it moves fast and breaks things. And like, that's tolerated mostly as long as it's smartphone apps. But if you get to the point where like, you know, no, people are credibly discussing even low chances of like massively negative outcomes. Yeah. A lot of people who, you know, are in politics and civil society and so on will be like, hey, 
are these guys serious? And like right now, I think we're at this case where like those people are looking in, they're seeing all this debate and a lot of the credible people in AI are kind of like, oh, it's like overpopulation on Mars. Yeah. And I think that's switching and yeah. I think that will switch. I think that in a year's time, a lot of the credible people in AI will be like, gee, I'm not sure. Yeah, I can't really explain. I can't really explain this system performance away. This is doing really amazing things. Yeah, I don't know where it's going to go. And as they sit down in those closed door briefing sessions, the people in politics and in states and stuff will be like, really? So, mm -hmm. you know, there is a major threat here and you can't rule it out. And I, I think I, I personally predict hard and fast regulation of, you know, frontier training runs. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think I'll, I'll overall, we'll be glad to see that. And mm -hmm. I, I really hope we don't throw the baby out with the mm -hmm. bathwater mm -hmm. and end up like, we do industrial work. We, you know, we're not using super intelligence. We're, you know, there's a, there's a vast amount of benefit to be gained from like automating drudgery and from like, mm. and there's lots of challenges there, but I, I think overall technology is way net positive. And so I hope we don't throw that baby out with the bathwater. Mm. I guess that's part of the role that we have to play a little bit role in all this as well. Yeah, Even yeah. when we're talking about this stuff, it strikes me that like, 80% of our yeah. conversation here actually skewed towards like danger mitigation and, and, and the risks and so on versus I think we maybe take for granted a lot of the potential positives and upsides here. Right, because, right, right. And also no one wants to be the person looking back who didn't, you know, speak to the risks. There is a danger of over-indexing in that or I think we need to like try and more heavily highlight both sides of it perhaps if we were to have a good debate. Yeah. An element that I'm uncomfortable with as well is like this conversation that we're having is also super speculative. We're like, hey, who knows? Nobody can yeah, know, yeah, but yeah, like it's still it's yeah. still very valuable and worthwhile to put yourself out there a little bit and have a have a bit of a guess about it. Yeah, but it's very different to how we've done software in the past, which is. How do you do software? It's fundamentally like how, how build humanity as a whole has done software. Is that what you mean? I mean how software gets built by teams, right. which is traditionally like build the thing, put it out in the market, find sure. out if it works, fail fast, yeah, your yeah, bugs yeah. will be revealed to you. Like how do bugs get fixed? They get fixed by no, 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 being allowed no, no, to break no. to a certain extent and then being fixed. And so not just, just software, yeah. Like and there's this argument that like this is a a new class of threat because you've got to get it right on the first time. Exactly. And exactly. humanity in the yeah. past has like, you know, we we make a big mistake. We have the first nuclear meltdown and then we take like nuclear yes. much more seriously. Yeah, and so yeah, on. Yeah. We can't do that this yeah. time, right? Which yeah. means that maybe software makers need to get into a more of a mentality versus the, I guess, move fast and break things to break it down to, to that towards so, something that so is a bit more engaged with how... I guess it depends what you're doing as well. By the way, if you're doing text autocomplete on yeah, your blog yeah, post yeah. authoring tool, like go sure, for it. Sure, right? yeah, exactly. But in certain areas, and there already are software industries, obviously around health and finance and military that are all super regulated and so on. So, yeah, I don't, you know, hopefully we can pull on enough of that experience as well. Oh gosh, I don't know. So firstly, I think, I think that applies to people training frontier models. I think we should probably have move fast and break things for like people building customer support AI chatbots and things of that class, right? I think it's very different than like, you know, a frontier model, like building the most intelligent system humans have ever built for the first time. I think that the frontier models need to be regulated, but I think then there'll be like a bunch of stuff that's, hey, this is like pretty, pretty intelligent and as, as a useful tool, but it's not going to like 
try and seize control of anything. Just overall, I think for society as a whole, the benefit of rapid development there and, you know, navigating things, patching things, fixing things, issues as they crop up, it is probably worth it. As a human, I would rather that trade-off, even if I wasn't in software. You know? Yeah, maybe. Maybe what I'm just saying is we need to inherit the norms of of the industries that we're talking about. So, so yes, for the I, I example you gave, but, but less so do. for medical software or something like that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a complicated thing. Like, there's many different bits here I think to separate out. So the first thing is, I think research labs training frontier models mm-hmm. probably need to inherit norms of regulated industries mm-hmm. at some point in the future, mm-hmm. like when the models start to get close to a point where they're dangerous, right? Some people would say that's now. I would say probably not quite yet, but, yeah. but at some point soon. And, and they seem pretty open to that. That would like, like that's they, pretty plausible to me. That yeah, that I, happen, I think right? so. Yeah. But what are those norms? Those norms to me are like, at least as stringent as the norms of people doing like gain of function research for pathogens. And like <laughs> those folks don't seem to be doing a great job, by the yeah. way. It needs to be like the most stringent norms probably pop that humanity ever has. And maybe that's not yeah. enough. Norms around nuclear weapons release or something. You know, two-person rule on like a lot of stuff. Like, you know, that's their business, right? But I, I would vote in that direction. Then separately, right, there's like, people on the applications layer applying like, you know, non-dangerous AI. And I would say like, okay, it depends what you're doing. If you're you know, going to like detect cancers from images, right? Probably you need to be regulated. Yeah. And I think the EU AI Act and stuff is, is going to regulate things like that. And then there's probably like a tier below that where it's like, you know, hey, it's, it's my Netflix movie recommendations. And, you know, there, there's issues of like, bias yeah. and there's issues of all sorts of stuff there but with that thing i probably i honestly probably wouldn't bother regulating it or i'd only regulate it extremely lightly because i'm like yes while there are real meaningful issues there you know netflix recommends me certain things based on some stuff i'd rather they didn't do and there's issues of bias and other ethical issues probably the the benefit to society of like fast moving, mm. you know, weighs heavily in the scales mm. against those harms, mm. right? And like, you know, and, and other people will disagree with that and that's their right. And I, I think that that's cogent, that, that that's reasonable. But like, that's how I would frame it, right? Is that there's, and I would, I would put like crazy stuff like super intelligence in a, in a, almost in a new category yeah. or in the category of like messing, you know, biological weapons research. Yeah. It's, 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 I would put it in that category. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe it'll turn out that was over-pessimistic. Uh, and, I'd rather uh, you know, to, to cool our jets a little bit as well, we probably, there's no reason to suddenly get more worried about the Netflix algorithm because it, it's underpinned by a slightly different no, technology. No, yeah. And in fact, the you know, the fact that bias and data sets and so on is kind of part of the conversation for AI systems from the start probably bodes a lot better than you know, the random stuff that gets put into your algorithmic feeds, which is just as opaque to everyone outside of those companies and probably a lot more prone towards bias or, or, or you know, yeah. mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been a good reminder of, uh, and a clarifying way to, as, as you just said, like kind of compartmentalize some of these uh, different ideas. So I'm glad that we have had it. Yeah, it's an interesting we, conversation. Like, I have a feeling like we could come back in in a couple of months and almost have a, a follow on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's all it's percolating in all our heads. We're all mm. trying to, as as humans, trying to get our heads around the technology mm. change here, and it's hard. Like, you don't want to like 
you don't want to go too far, too speculative into the future, but then you don't want to ignore the low probability, high magnitude stuff either. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's just it's a, it's a hard space for everyone to get their head around. Reasonable people can disagree in this space. I think it's really good that there's discussion about it. I wish the discussion was a little less muddled in terms of a lot of the media discussion is is very shallow. I find, and I'm but I'm I think it's just it's a new hard thing. People are trying to get their heads around it. I think. Yeah. Anyone you think who's doing a good job with this? Publications, journalists, some rando on Twitter. There's a lot of really great stuff at the technical side. There's a lot of good research papers being written around this. The academic research discussion, I feel, is still muddled sometimes, I would argue, but overall is making progress. And I think I think this is just how, you know, our system, the human system deals with stuff, right? It's like, you know, we you got to get to it in layers. The journalists will, will, will get there. I mean, we saw this with like COVID, right? And Corona and stuff, right? Like the, I'd done a little bit of epidemiology, so I, I could understand a little bit of it. And it was, it was just, it was an adaptation time. There was a lot of stuff, even experts, like really getting things wrong in the yeah. first sort of like month or two, and then people adapted and stuff. So I'm optimistic that this will happen. I, I just, I hope the timeline is okay. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's it. So, yeah. Great. In conclusion, Fergal, are we so back or is it so over? That's the <laughs> fundamental question. Of I, I, I'm incredibly optimistic about AI and power it brings. And then I'm like really cautious. Like, so, you know, up to the point of like human level AI, I'm like incredibly yeah. optimistic. It's yeah, going to yeah. be great for people overall. Lots of challenges. I think we'll navigate those. I do think there is a, there's a thing beyond that or like, you know, and that's leaving aside ideas of like conscious, how you treat the AI and all that stuff, but like an, an unconscious but intelligent system that gets progressively, you know, more useful, more powerful up to human level, I think is, is, is your people use it to do bad things, but overall, I think it'll be net positive. Mm. But then there is some threshold, I don't know where it is, where we have to start being cautious. But I, I think as long as that doesn't happen, way faster than people expect as long as it doesn't happen by accident like really really fast yeah i think i see a lot of really positive directions so overall i'm optimistic but i do think it's it is time to take seriously the negative outcomes too yeah yeah that's, that's where my head is at at some level from the very first tool if you watch like 2001 the space odyssey and he picks up the bone right the very first tool has the potential to be Put to use for to make yeah. something or to hurt someone yeah yeah and we're potentially coming up to the point where the the tool the capital t tool the ur tool that is more powerful than anything before comes along and and so it's just the sharpest articulation yeah. of that duality of anything can be yeah. put to the positive or negative uses and so it's up to us and the interesting thing is like have we finally been outsmarted by the tool such that we yeah, can't yeah you know, really keep it under wraps. I mean, I mean, I guess it's, it's up to us as citizens and democracies and stuff. I, I don't know if the little democracy we're in is going to have much of a role here. I, I think this is, is a lot up to the people working in the research labs. Mm. I think that, um, you know, civil society needs to get its head around this stuff. I do buy that this is a different type of tool. This, or at least it's, it's, it's in the, the trickiest, most dangerous class of tool we have. And, you know, there's certain things that could play out here that are are, are pretty wild. Mm. And then again, I look at my kids starting school. I don't know what world they're going to live in mm. if those wild scenarios play out. Mm. And again, we should acknowledge there's other scenarios where 
progress asymptotes, right? Yeah. Like that's still on the table. That's possible. But yeah, I, I do expect a, a big reaction from wider society soon. We should be slightly relieved if it all just tapered off. Oh and, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'd be disappointed. I, I would love if it went further before it tapered off. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I do think it would give us all more time to yeah. adapt to the threats. And, and again, like at this point, like if anyone was watching this, they'd be like, oh my God, like why? Like we need to outlaw all AI stuff, right? And that's a very reasonable thing. But again... I do think there's this kind of crazy game theoretic strategic benefit to encountering this stuff early and mm. fast. I think that is mm-hmm. driving a lot of the research lab folk to pull the technology into the present so we can deal with it when it's it's early. And I do think this stuff is is almost unbannable eventually, mm. right? I think like militaries will build it if private labs don't. And, you know, I, I do think I, I have a lot of respect. I don't always agree with them, but I have a lot of respect for a lot of the actors in research labs like OpenAI who think mm. about this, because I, I do feel they have a, some people are like, this is like such an incredibly irresponsible thing to do. And definitely there's ethical stuff for them to weigh either side. But I do think there's a very coherent position, which is like, you can't just ignore this. This mm. is coming. You got to choose when you'll deal with it. And being part of solving the problem from the inside rather yeah, yeah, than yeah. head in the sand. Yeah, I I mean, more power to those people and, and, and the people responsible for regulating and so on. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we should both support them and, and hold sure. them accountable, strongly accountable as well. Yeah. So, yeah. That's it. Because it's like the, the raw material here is computation. Computation is everywhere. We have computers everywhere. It's not like it's uranium and you can control the uranium or, you know, so it's like... Mm. It is mm. going to be challenging. And so mm. you, you do want to encounter it when it needs a lot of computation that's centralized. Mm. Then it's it's at least regulatable for some period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely want to check back in on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. Good Thanks, Ariel. Good chat. Thanks, Emma. This is Inside Intercom. <laughs>